City Maniac, the wit from the mitt, the Great Lakes Grandmaster, the Motown Madman, the Mittens Killer Kitten. We ran out of nicknames. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. You are listening. Good day, good evening, good morning, good everything. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. The most insubordinate producer in radio, Fun Dip, joins me as always. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And I wish I wish that this had fallen on the first of April, because I would have had a lot of fun trying to come up with stuff just to torture Stephen. Oh, that's that's right, April Fools. You know what I did do? I I, I told everybody that I found religion <laughs> and that I burned my Beatle records. Why would why would one have anything to do with the other? Well, because, you know, like when people get into born-again Christian stuff, a lot of times they throw out all of their rock and roll except for Striper and, and Petra and give Demon up any— Demon Hunter. Yeah, they, yeah, all they've got left is, is uh, just Christian rock. Actually, though, the Newsboys were an Australian band. That oh, had yes. Pretty good. Yeah, I forgot about them. Mid-'90s, they were really big. They were. They had a song called Entertaining Angels where I actually am like, this is a really, really good pop rock song, um, a ballad. It's very, very good. So, listen, you can, right off the bat, you can call me Kim Kardashian because I broke the internet. Yes, fill us in on this. You were telling me this before the news, and I was like, I gotta count straight. I don't want to brag. That's the problem. But uh, we had a video go up last night, and it's just, I mean, this literally went up, you know, eight hours ago for those listening live terrestrially. If you're not, louderwithcredder.com. Podcasts are free, louderwithcredder.com. It's already over 300. I mean, it's it, YouTube lag, so it says 300,000. It's probably at half a million plays. And what it was is, of course, we're talking about the Indiana law this week. And people are saying it's an anti-gay law. They're talking about religious freedoms. And, and uh, I understand the dialogue, but my point is always the narrative is evil Christians versus innocent gay people having their rights trampled, which is not what's happening here. But I decided to take it one step further and say, okay, if Christians are so intolerant, let's see what would happen at Muslim bakeries. I love this idea. And I went to Dearborn, actually, with uh, with Matt, your friend there, who uh, he, he videotaped for us the first couple times I did the show there, remember? Oh, Matt Clark? No, no, the other Matt. Don't, don't say last names, for God's sakes. We went to Dearborn, <laughs> and I guarantee you people will want to kill me, and you're like, is it my mother who lives at 605 Oak Street? Well, this guy, he, he's already famous, so it's okay. Anyway, it's a different guy. The the problem was, so we taped it a long time ago there in Dearborn, and I was like, ah, the, the, the audio didn't work. It got corrupted, so I thought, ah, that was great, but we can't use it. And then my whiz kid here, Jared, uh, managed to salvage some of it. The audio, you can even see in the video, isn't great, so we added subtitles. And uh, the reactions, of course, from the Muslim bakeries are, are pretty funny. You know, listen, by the way, I'm not going at this. I, I we've had James O'Keefe on the show. I appreciate him. I'm not going at this from a legal angle at all. Of look at them, we need to put them out of business or boycott. None of that. It's just, I just think it's hilarious. Oh yeah, 
to see Muslims react to gay Crowder wanting, uh, you know, a cake with two men on it. It's it's funny. It's really funny. The beauty of it of you recording it earlier though is they weren't expecting it with it tied into the pizza place in Indiana and all that stuff. So that's got to be even better than if you were to have recorded it recently. Yes, a guy named uh, Hirugim on Twitter, by the way, just said, "Say hi to Fun Dip for me, please." So hey, he's guy. listening. And you need to get on Twitter. We need you on Twitter. I, I need to get on Twitter. You do. Can, can I People do that with a flip phone? Send the tweets to S Crowder. To let us know if you want Fun Dip to get on Twitter. But uh, but yeah, you know. So this is so we did it. The reactions were really funny. And by the way, a lot of the Muslim bakeries were willing to bake the cake. Were very nice, and I'm open about that in the video. But some of them weren't. And it only takes one, like with the Christian bakery or the Christian pizzeria. It only takes one lawsuit. It only takes one story to put you out of business. And, of course, the general rule would be with, with non-secular Muslim bakeries, they wouldn't bake the cake or they'd be uncomfortable with it. And, by the way, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't. They should have that right. They absolutely should. And, and believe it or not, as, as much as I support you know the gay activism, stuff like that, I completely believe that if you're the photographer the uh, the wedding planner the baker and you're not comfortable being there in it's a wedding that is against your religion i if i was the gay couple i wouldn't want you there to begin with because you're not going to do as good a job as if right. you were into it so i think that there should be a right to say yeah no i'm not the one for you but hey I know this guy what if down say, the street. What if they say, you're the one that I want? Ah, ooh, 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 honey, the one, yeah. <laughs> that, that, bad. I, I, think, I think that is where the phrase, yeah, that was gay, comes from. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. It's, it's not about, and I talk about this in the video, it's not, a, it's not even about discriminating against people. That's what people don't understand. For example, if, I talk about this in the video, if, if uh, a gay person comes in and says, I want a birthday cake. Fine. Happy birthday. Go sashay around your birthday room to your little heart's content. But if he comes in and says, I want an ex a specifically gay cake, I have the right to not engage in that activity. So like one with Liza Minnelli on it. <laughs> Although I don't even know how you'd recognize her. She'd probably look better on the cake version than <laughs> real Liza Minnelli. Uh, if Kanye West comes in, and says, I want a cake, I can't say, I can't discriminate against him because he's a bl blithering idiot. Um, I can say, if he says, hey, I want a cake that has my lyrics, gold digger broke, N-word, on it, hey, I'm not comfortable with that activity, so I'm not going to bake that cake. Would I bake a cake for a member of the KKK? Sure. Would I bake a KKK cake? No. Am I saying that gay people like the KKK? No, this is, I'm trying to. You're draw using a point different here. groups who you might have an opposing viewpoint to. Well, it's like this last week. I went on the Alex Jones show, and anyone who listens to this knows he's a loopy bugger. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not a fan of him in a lot of ways. But to be fair, he was very cordial, and he wanted to focus on the things on which we agree. And I went on right off the bat. You heard the interview. I was like, hey, I think you're, I think you're a little nutty, Alex. But uh, thanks for having me on. People got furious. Conservatives got furious. Well, where do you draw the line? Would you speak at a KKK rally? And I answered, absolutely. I would speak at a KKK rally, and I would try to change their minds. <laughs> I mean, 
I have no, we had a terrorist it, it on the show. It makes perfect sense. I mean, that's the whole point. That's like when people keep begging me to go to their churches and you know, they say you got to come to the church, you got to come to our church. I don't want to go cuz I'm not comfortable with it, but if somebody said say I was a Christian and they said we want you to speak at our agnostic organization as a Christian, that would be a perfect opportunity for you to proselytize to them. No, absolutely. And so that's well, me, what a conservative would speak at, you know, various organizations that they disagree with. It's to let them know, hey, go in with this. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, Funded. This is before we go to break, because we'll come back and we'll be talking about Indiana and the laws. But a genuine question. I mean, you know me well enough, and we don't always agree on the like the transgender thing. But you do, you understand that nothing that I do that's ever critical of that comes from a place of hate, right? Yeah, you think you can change them. No, I don't think I, I'm not even trying to change gay people. I'm not trying to change gay people. I'm just talking about protecting the laws of religious. We're get we're, we'll, we'll get into that. But you yeah. you do understand my heart there, right? You don't ever think Stephen's one of those guys who goes out and is like, let's go hang gay people, right? You, you no, yeah, no, I can tell. You'd rather just make fun of people. Well, not just gay people. I make fun of you. You make fun of everybody. I mean, that's I fun- that's that's who you are. That's it's what it's like, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a stand up comedian, but I'm not going to make fun of anything. Like, right, that exactly. wouldn't work. <laughs> I'm going to be the positive stand-up comic. A guy walks into a bar. They gave him a drink, and it's lovely. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to a break. We'll come back, and we will educate you um, louder with Crowder. Stay tuned, <laughs> You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle, or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to simplifiedwine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. We are getting louder. How am, I, am I sounding good coming through there, Fun Dip? Well, you don't sound as good as my charming voice, but you don't sound bad. I hate you. <laughs> well, everybody who doesn't have a voice like mine does hate me. So, by, by the and way, everybody else too. To, terrestrially, Alaska. Uh, uh, of course, Detroit, Ann Arbor, Northern Michigan is now picking up the show. So now we're being picked up across all these. By the way, if someone's listening and you know how to figure out how for me to get this show up to a satellite, I'm not going out after syndication. Fundip and I have talked about it. I'm happy doing my thing online and being independent, but there are a lot of stations requesting to carry it. Uh, so we need to get this thing up to the bird to send it out to them. Let us know because there are already three other stations carrying the show and we're doing it. 
through Dropbox. So, uh, again, our focus is you guys in Michigan and, of course, online at LottoWithCrowder.com because we want it to be free. We want it to be accessible. And isn't that kind of cool? Fund it when you think about it. We're able to do this show, and uh, it's completely – I mean, this is truly one of the few shows with a national platform that is entirely independent. Oh, yeah. And, you know, being an old school guy myself, I thought there's no way we could do it. I didn't realize that the technology even existed. Like, I'm Skyping with him, folks. I can see him if he sneezes or, or scratches his eyelid or whatever. So it's like he's here. And I, I'm fascinated by this technology. This is like being on the bridge of the Enterprise and talking to the Klingon commander on another ship. True. Oh, by the way, we didn't plug our guests because it's been such a, a good, exciting morning. Um, Paul Watson of Prison Planet is going to be on who, you know, by the way, listen, I know you hear it. He's he works with Alex Jones, but he's very reasonable and he's English. So, you know, fun dip gets aroused. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so let's go back. So I did a video. I went to Muslim bakeries undercover. Now, listen, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit today. Why? Because that's really the only story in the news is that in the Iran deal. So the Indiana and Arkansas situation, you even hear uh, fun dip here is in support of religious freedoms. Now, one thing that's important for people to realize is the left goes, whoa, well, you know, you're trying to, oh, you're trying to act persecute Christians. What, you think, you think that they're going to lose any rights? Yes. Yes, they do. What? What are you, why are you raising your hand, Fundip? You don't even let me speak anymore. I, I had no idea that the left was Patrick the frickin' Starfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, SpongeBob. <laughs> That's what I imagine Hopper sounds like, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I can totally see it. That's a Hi, cute, you guys. <laughs> I gotta get up. dog voice. I gotta get up and do some work to go back to bed. <laughs> um, anyway, I had a point. So my point was, yes, it is happening. In Canada, you had a pastor, Stephen Boisson, who was found guilty of hate speech simply for speaking out against same-sex marriage in 2007. Now, before people say, oh, you're an idiot. He well, he filed an appeal. It doesn't mean he wasn't found guilty. He was banned from public speaking as a pastor in Canada for speaking out against same-sex marriage. Okay, uh, they, they've been trying to fire this chaplain from the Navy for taking a pro-traditional sense. He's a chaplain, though, again, we talked about this in the video, with the village people in the Navy, like, know your audience. I was totally thinking that. I was totally thinking, he's a chapel in the Navy. Go watch the video. Oh, it. man. Everyone's watched my video except for my damn producer. That tells you how insane. Well, you just put it up is. last night when I was in bed. Oh, you're in bed alone. Hey, I got to tell you something. There's not many videos I can watch while I'm in bed with this flip phone. Seriously, let's get you a let's get you a phone for let's get you an iPhone. It's not oh, even, no, honestly, no, it's not professional. I don't want to reach you. I don't want to get an Apple product. I would get a Samsung or something like that. Oh, we put a meme out this week, too, by the way. Tim Cook, you know, let's boycott Indiana. Really, fruitcake? You're opening your biggest Apple store ever in Saudi Arabia, dumbass. I know. It's like for crying out loud. Go try and sashay around Saudi Arabia, you Apple-pushing sprites. I, will, I don't think I'll ever own an Apple product. I, I, my wife has an iPhone, but she also drives a Honda, so we're totally separate on those things. I don't mind Hondas. Hondas are good cars. Uh, no. You better not say GM, or I will, I will end this radio program. No, listen, don't say it. Pre-bailout GM. No. Yes. No. My Buick. The only reason you're saying that is because we're not in the same room, because you know I would punch you so hard right now. 
But see, after after uh, touring the Ford Piquette plant, I want a Ford now. All right. Model T. Yeah, Model T. Okay. So, I'm... <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> uh, I hate you, Fun Dip. So, uh, that, that's happened. Then we have, of course, Memories Pizza is the one that's the center of the controversy right now. There was that bed and breakfast with the lovely English couple that was forced to uh, close. You, you know what? You remember that story, don't you? Oh, yeah. That was obnoxious. And the, that lady was so nice. They were just like, they said, you know, that when they asked them, of course, they were being cornered on a show. We'll run that clip. I think we've run that clip on the show. We'll run it again after the break where we don't run a lot of clips on this show. We pretty much just talk. Eh, we run a few every now and again. But every yeah, what we have to say is so important. We don't need clips. That's not true. That's like where these <laughs> other radio hosts are like, I'm not going to have a guest do the host job for you. And it's like, well, yeah, but I'm not an expert on everything. What am I going to I'm going to educate my audience about about physics, astrophysics. No, I'm going to have an astrophysicist on. I have no ego in that. <laughs> I'm good at dressing in drag and doing hidden camera videos. I don't know about you're good at dressing in drag. You didn't look really good. When you called me watching that video, you were breathing heavily and we both know it. <laughs> so uh, Indiana. So that's the case. Canada in the UK. What about the millions of Christians now in this country who have to support what they believe to be murder, abortion? That bothers me, too. I'm just saying, when people try and act as though it's so far-fetched that the Christians clinging to their, with their guns on religion, it's already happening. And this is a business, by the way, I, this, this is just a, a mean woman who called into the pizzeria, okay? Just a mean woman looking to destroy a Christian because the fact is, this was a setup uh, I don't know why you would have pizza. I mean, a pizza at a wedding, fine, but it's obviously not something that most people do. It was clearly a setup to try and destroy someone for being a Christian. And by the way, I bet you this person is a very nice person. Dana raised like $300,000 for this pizzeria, Memory Pizzeria. We have it up at ladderwithcrowder.com. Um, I, I so want some pizza from there. I want to be able to, you know, have it and support them. So I, yeah, hope, they get, I hope they open back up again. And by the way, folks, again, this is Fundep, who's a super uh, gay guy. I'm straight, but I support the gays. <laughs> He's super gay. You, you are such a sphincter. <laughs> so Fun Dip is a guy who's a, who's a pro-gay guy, and a lot of gay people are even coming out and saying, listen, this is, this is unreasonable. This is just crazy. Again, no one is saying you should be able to, to deny someone the right to eat at, say, a diner because you're gay. Businesses want the right to not be involved with the particular activity. And what when you open the door to this and say, no, you can't. Okay, so now I'm a I'm a Christian photographer. Okay. I have to photograph a gay wedding. Can you say no to a gay bachelor party? You have to bake a gay cake. Can you say no to a double wang cake? I mean, what's what's the line? Yeah, it's just there's gotta be something logical. That'll satisfy both no, sides. There there's no, there's no something logical. It's already there. It's I would like you to make a gay wedding cake, please. No. That's it. That's it. Yeah, but I don't know why we can't get people to just say, okay, that's fine. Go to the baker three blocks down who is gay or who at least doesn't have a problem with that issue. We're talking about baking here. There are plenty of gay guys in the baking industry. I'm yeah, quite sure. I would think. You know, I keep thinking with, of Martin Short, the wedding planner in Father of the Bride. Yes, you're working with sprinkles. 
Yeah. It's, there's got to be, you know, what's what's more gay, ironically, than a wedding cake? <laughs> no man cares about It's the one, it's totally, like, honestly, the only person who cares about it is when I, well, you know, I waited it. My wife and I waited until we got married. At that point, the cake was just an obstacle in the way of getting the so job done. So you just done. pushed it off of the table and started going at it. Yeah, my dad said, here's your wedding cake. I said, you don't know nothing about this. Out of my way. <laughs> you, get out of, you get out of here. After this break, we're going to have Paul Watson to discuss feminism, all this, and we'll be back. Louder with Crowder. We are back, Louder with Crowder. This next guest probably will be controversial to some of you, though we've been going back and forth on Twitter for a while. Uh, Mr. Watson of... See, I just say Mr. Watson because his first name is so is so English and easy to forget that I just know Mr. Watson from Infowars.com. Thank you for being with us, sir. Good to be here, Stephen. Thank you. Now, the first name is Paul, right? It's Paul Joseph Watson, yeah. Paul Joseph Watson, okay. Well, it's a proper English name. I didn't. I was going to be like Peter, Paul, and then it would just start the interview off on a terrible, uh, <laughs> terrible tangent. So, okay, you are clearly, you have an accent. I'm guessing Polish? <laughs> I have an accent. I mean, everybody in the UK would say that you had an accent, even though there are literally 50 accents in the UK. But this is true. We don't tend to, we don't tend to obsess about them as much as Americans. So it's not that's true any. until I hear someone from England who's not from Liverpool hear someone from Liverpool speak. Then everyone makes fun of the Liverpool guy. Well, yeah, people make fun of different local dialects. I mean, I'm from the north, so I would normally be quite broad. So I've tempered my accent over the years to sound more kind of you know, middle of the road, but I still have an accent, so. Well, Liverpool is hilarious. I remember there was a fighter named Terry <laughs> Edham, and he was in the UK. It was a fight in Manchester, and when he got yeah. up on the mic, he said, I just want to thank the fans for the fans there, and he had his mouth pissed, and he couldn't understand what he was saying, and everyone, everyone in England was laughing. It wasn't so, apparently Liverpool is like your Cleveland. No, there, there are some accents in the UK that even I can't understand, having been here for, you know, 30 years, so. <laughs> All right, that explains I it. Sympathize. Okay, now that we've gotten completely off topic. Okay, so right off the bat, now we agree on a lot of things. We don't agree on everything. You work for a controversial site, obviously infowars.com. Um pretty conspiratorial. Now, when I follow you on Twitter, you seem quite reasonable. How far along the I guess sort of like the chemtrail fluoride in your tap path, would you say you are versus you're just a libertarian who's mistrustful of government? I would say I'm, I'm more leaning libertarian, mistrustful of government. What I will say is that, you know, over the years, the, the conspiracy crowd have become more and more extreme to the point where every single incident is, you know, staged or a false flag or, you know, this right. didn't really happen. And that, that tends to get quite a lot of traction on YouTube still amongst that audience. But I tend to shy away from that because right. I see that a lot of those people are basically, you know, mentally ill. But they have their own <laughs> have their own audience. But I try and stick to what we can prove, what we can document, because what we can actually prove and document is pretty shocking enough. Right. Yeah. I stick to that in terms of geopolitics and domestic events. So, you know, I, I differ with, quote, conspiracy. 
chemtrail issue, I'm I'm not old on. You know, I've read a lot about that. And, you know, once I, you know, I was a fully paid up member of the chemtrail cult. But having read more widely and having seen that, you know, chemtrails were being reported back in the 50s, 60s, it's not a recent issue. That's an example of something that I've moderated on. And as I said, there are numerous issues which we can prove, which are manifestly provable. And I tend to stick to that information. And more recently, the, the whole culture war stuff. So, right. you know, I'm, I mean, there are, InfoWars is a broad church. It's not like, you know, Alex Jones rules with an iron fist and he tells everybody what to do. We basically get carte blanche to talk about and write about what we want. Right. So it, it's a very broad church, and there are people with different opinions who well, work for Infowars. Right. So it's you know it's it's quite we're given quite a free reign. Well, and I noticed that with you. I mean, you you deal with feminism a lot, which we'll get into. But uh, you know, I did a video on the LAPD shooting, right? And and a lot of the sort of I mean, there really is neo-libertarianism too. A lot of people like to act as though there's no extremists in that camp, but there are. Um, and a lot of them just immediately said, you're supporting the the, the the police state. And I was pretty clear in the video that I'm not. But this was a case yeah. where when the evidence came through, these were cops who were maybe protecting their life or we have to wait until. And you even said, hey, you know, what? this is this is reasonable, which is just not something you see from a lot of other libertarian publications. It just seems like you process information in a way that, um, well, you process information, period. Well, I mean, exactly. The issue of police brutality is one that we focused on for, you know, more than a decade. And right. it is a real problem. Sure. But again, we draw it back to the fact that you cannot solve this issue of um, innocent, quote, unarmed, which in most cases that they draw attention to is not the case, but black people being killed by police by not also focusing on the very real problem of criminality and violence within the black community which is what these black brunch and Black Lives Matter protesters routinely fail to do. So if you actually drill down into the statistics, Justice Department, FBI, which is you know what I've done on my videos, a couple right. of them which got over a million views, you know, 50% of homicides in the United States are committed by black people, even though they only make up 13% of the population. So the 9-11 calls on that per capita statistical evidence are obviously going to come from the black areas, which is likely to lead to more violent confrontations with police and other, you know, racist facts, which completely, you know, dispel and disprove this whole Black Lives Matter narrative, sure. such as blacks commit seven times more violent crime compared to whites per capita. So well, I don't even necessarily want to get into, obviously, I mean, people can go, you can follow now is it is it Prison Planet is your Twitter handle? Yeah. Prison Planet is his Twitter handle and he he has this information he's releasing it all the time. I don't want to get too far off into the weeds there but I think the the main point is that's very important is it's it's liberals love to say that conservatives are libertarians. They're, they're simple minded. It is a gross oversimplification of the issue to just say hands up don't shoot black lives matter and to act as though all white cops that are going out to simply shoot black kids um which if that were the case would be morally reprehensible and someone would crack down on it and that's where i, I get off the conspiracy boat with a lot of people you know i'm going like really if i mean if there was a spaceship that landed there wouldn't one person come forward and go hey these guys are all lying so uh it's at a certain point you have to go what's the more reasonable conclusion here and i think you do that well listen we're gonna have to go to a break but i want to come right back with uh, paul watson from infowars.com stay tuned <laughs>
You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. To Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. And we're back with Mr. Paul Watson, uh, editor at Infowars.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Prison Planet. So we were talking about the, the police brutality earlier, and, and that's something we could talk about all day. But I have talked about this, and I've noticed that you've done some of the best videos on YouTube. I highly recommend people go watch them. For people listening terrestrially, uh, go to louderwithcrowder.com. We'll have an annotation in this video interview where you can click it and go to his videos. This is something that I've said, and then, I, and then I'll, you have the floor. There are a few winning issues right now for conservatives, libertarians, okay? They're losing a lot of ground. Guns, there's been an overreach to take away people's guns, and there are more people who are pro-Second Amendment than not. Free speech, uh, Islam, now people are going, okay, there's a little bit of a trend here. And, and most importantly, I think feminism has overreached to a point that they've, they've worn out their welcome with an entire generation of young women even who would be accepting of the general precepts, but they've gotten so shrill, so loud, so bombastic that it's been rejected on a cultural level. Uh, would you say I'm, I'm close to being on the money or, or why not? You're very close to being on the money because, you know, less than a quarter of American women identify as feminists. And routinely now in the media, we see Hollywood actresses saying, well, yes, I support equality. I support women's rights, but I don't consider myself a feminist. Of right. course, they're attacked ceaselessly by third wave radical feminists whenever they make that stance, which proves again that radical third wave feminism has very little to do with equality and very little to do with the original first wave, second wave feminism, which was about property rights and the right to vote. So now we see feminists increasingly getting irate over these ridiculous issues, like, you know, manspreading, um, the jazz hands issue, which was a big controversy in the UK recently. <laughs> it just sounds silly to say. <laughs> I mean, it's silly to even say this is a co the jazz hands issue. It's like these buzz <laughs> phrases now just point out how silly the discussion is. But, I mean, the point is that I get emails from actual feminists who work in North Africa and in the Middle East against FGM, female genital mutilation, and they, you know, express their horror about how third-wave feminists are representing women's rights because they pick on these ridiculous issues. You know, Shirtgate, the comet scientist who wore a sexy woman on his shirt, and that was the big controversy. I like that so, shirt. <laughs> I want to get I want to get one of those shirts as well. But again, it's it's third wave feminism has completely divorced itself from the women's rights movement. Right. They don't seem to realize that, and it's like they're doubling down. And then you know the the bastard child of third wave feminism is this men's rights movement, 
which in its own way is kind of extremist. So they kind of play off of each other. Right. But my issue with feminism is that they're complete rampant hypocrites. They consistently ignore genuine women's rights issues, which at the moment emerge out of countries like Saudi Arabia and Iraq. You know, they right. passed a law in Saudi Arabia last year where female drivers are treated as terrorists. They passed a law in Iraq where um, rape against wives in Iraq has been legalized. Not a word, complete tumbleweeds from feminists on both of those issues, which strikes at the root of the fact that third wave feminism does not care about women. It cares about social engineering, right. subverting culture and cultural Marxism, which is what you've talked about. Exactly. And I do want to say I would be in full support of treating teenage girl drivers as registered terrorists. Or you know what? <laughs> At the very least, they should be treated as registered sex offenders where they have to notify everyone on the road of their past uh, their checkered vehicle past because man i've been i've been nearly killed four times today four times today by a girl texting completely irrelevant to your point but you do bring up the cultural marxism and that's a good point uh you know which actually kind of ties into right now right the the, the indiana and arkansas now yeah. people try and say it's it's about hate versus love um, it's it's not and the gender issues really do get pretty complex here in this case uh, to a point where I'm trying to pick my words carefully. Let's talk about this since it's topical. But the fact is feminism started out, right, to blur gender lines, to essentially say that fundamentally men and women are interchangeable. Now, not just in a term of rights, but I grew up in school, in public school in Canada, where they said, well, men can do everything women can do and women can do everything men can do. It's scientifically untrue. And it's also just I don't see how that's productive to bring children up that way. But same thing happens when you deal with, let's say, the same-sex marriage issue. I'm not giving an opinion here, but if you've said that, well, two mommies provide the exact same relationship that two daddies can and vice versa, you've removed gender lines, and then you have these same people who have a problem with men dressing up as women going into the restroom. Either it all has to be okay, none of it's okay, or we have to agree that there's a line somewhere. So right now with this issue in Indiana and Arkansas, as a libertarian, do you see that? As a, as a love versus hate issue or as a legitimate infringement on religious freedom for private businesses? I see it as the latter because if you follow the argument to its logical conclusion, it's using the force of the state to compel people who to do business with. Right. And, you know, that, that's at the heart of everything that, that opposes feminism is this idea that, you know, they have to impose thought control and they have to police free speech because it might offend somebody, it might upset somebody, which again is exemplified in this whole fat pride body acceptance movement, which is a bizarre new branch of third wave feminism. So now in the UK, people, journalists, in this case, Katie Hopkins, are being reported to the police for questioning why people are overeating and becoming obese and becoming fat, because that is the new banner you know, celebratory image of feminism is body acceptance. So I've made videos about, there's a 17 minute video on YouTube that I made about this. And they're using this intersectional argument, which argues that everything is oppression and that right. every, every form of oppression emerges from within the culture. So now fat shaming is equated with racism and sexism, despite the fact that, you know, people can't choose their race, they can't choose their sex. They do choose to be obese. They choose to overeat. But feminists, again, 
They like to dispense with any self, any sense of self responsibility. So now we we even have experts like Dr. Sarah Jackson in the UK saying, "quote mocking the obese should be illegal." So again, it goes back to that point of feminists and social justice warriors and leftists relying on the power of the state at gunpoint right. to force people to accept their views and to have this idea of freedom, which is merely freedom to do as we tell you right. at, the, at the force of gunpoint. Well, a couple of points. What I find ironic, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this with the feminist movement and the body image issue. I'm going, here's the thing. Guys marry fat chicks. Guys marry skinny chicks. Women, need, feminists need to understand your husband wants to see you naked. Okay? He doesn't expect you to be perfect. Those images you see on magazines are usual, or, or certainly runway models. My wife was a runway model for years. They're dressed up, made up, and airbrushed by gay men. So if you, <laughs> want to, if you want to take up the unrealistic expectations, don't take it up with straight guys who are taking the untouched photo of Kate Upton and going, she's pretty hot, and then looking at an untouched photo of Sienna Miller and just the same thing, she's pretty hot, or Sandra Bullock and saying, she, we find women attractive, period, in all different shapes and forms. The irony is it's an industry, the, the same liberal industry that would claim you know fat shaming should be illegal. I would say one thing. I would take it one step further on the, the, the gay wedding cake to Arkansas. Uh, Indiana issue. Uh, the government does have the right in the states to say you can't discriminate based on race. For example, if, if Kanye West comes in and says, hey, I want a birthday cake. I can't say no because you're black or an idiot. But this is an issue where actually the government wants to legislate uh, forcing businesses to engage in specific activities. If Kanye West comes in and says, hey, I want you to make a cake with my lyrics, gold digger, broke N-word, I can say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with that activity. No. The government's saying, not, we're not even talking about race or, or gender or sexual orientation. We're talking about an activity and forcing you to engage in that. That's my issue with it. Well, it, it would be the equivalent of, you know, a, a photographer a wedding photographer being forced to go and photograph a gay wedding. I mean, do they get the choice not to say that they want to do that? It's, right. it's how far you push it. But I mean, on, you know, on the fat shaming, they, you know, like top feminists like Naomi Wolf, who is pretty prominent. I've got a great she, story about her, by the way, but continue. <laughs> she argues that this whole idea that men are attracted to thin, fertile, attractive, pretty women is a grand conspiracy perpetrated by the beauty and cosmetics <laughs> industry. That's her argument. She's written books about it. She's right. given speeches about it. Like, we all had a secret meeting behind their back. Like, guys, <laughs> let's just screw. We don't even like boobs and butts. I know. It'll drive them nuts. I mean, men have always been attracted to certain traits in women. And it's, it's scientific. You can drill down into the biology, you know, waist-to-hip ratio. Sure. It's not to say that men are attracted to anorexic women. No. You know, Many people are attracted to curves. That's fine. But there's a difference between curves and morbid obesity. Right. So for her to argue that this has been invented, contrived by the beauty cosmetics industry is it completely contradicts basic human experience and actual science, which proves that hip to waist ratio is the main well, attractive factor for men. Before the science test. Let's take Lena Dunham as an example. But, you know, feminists don't like science. They don't like science. But even before the science test, let's take Lena Dunham. There's the eyeball test. And she's the one who writes pieces in her own show to be naked. It's not like, you know, oh, well, I guess if it's in context, I guess if it's for the part and she's being pressured by a writer, she is the writer. 
She's going naked all the time, like nonstop naked. And she says, well, I'm just going to change the notion of what beauty is. It's not because you don't pass the eyeball test. You're also a horrible human being, Lena Dunham, but you cannot make people attracted to you. It's not some societal construct. You're unattractive to most men. The people have voted. They've given you the Caesar thumbs down. Anyway, I'm a sexist. But, I mean, this is the thing. It's generally true that a lot of feminists, and you can look at the most prominent ones on YouTube, are mainly overweight, unattractive, you know, black-rimmed glasses-wearing harpies. That stereotype is generally true. So how much of their grievance is based in the fact that they can't attract men or that they've been screwed over by men in the past because they're not very attractive to men? I mean, that's got to be an issue. That has to be an issue with their grievance and where it stems from. It's true. It's a good point. I've never... Uh, we're getting into anecdotal evidence, I, I, and this is entirely anecdotal. I've, I've, not, I've not met a woman who's really had her crap together and been in a very successful relationship they were happy with who yeah. hated men, like feminists no. hate men. I've, never met, I've yeah. never met one ever. I'm, all the women I know, you know, really smart women, whether they're attractive or not, they don't concur with feminism. They hate feminism. So it, it seems to be these kind of relationship dropouts that really glom onto this, seize upon it as a social justice warrior cause when some of it is based in their own personal grievances. And I guess, you know, you could apply the same criticism to the men's rights movement, not so much because they're not as prominent, right. but I think it's definitely an, a factor. I think it definitely is. And we will bring you on actually after the break because you're so lovely. Uh, and I want to listen to you more. Mr. Paul Watson after the break, Ladder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. We are back with Mr. Paul Watson, Infowars.com. Again, not what you would think, this guy. We talked about this early on in the interview. We were talking about feminism. Here's one thing, too. We'll go into the transgender stuff in a second. Uh, I bought Cosmo. I bought a Cosmo. Okay, first, do you want to hear my Naomi Wolf story? Yeah, go for it. Okay. You're the guest, but I'm telling you the story. So I'm on a panel, and Naomi Wolf was there. This is on uh, when I was working at, uh, at Fox News, and I think it was maybe Fox Business. And she's there, and I know who she is, but I also know she has an incredible ego. Let's be honest. It's Naomi Wolf. So I play like I have no idea who she is. And uh, she goes... So, oh, yeah, my name is Steven. You know, I do videos and I'm a contributor. I said, so what do you do? She goes, uh, I'm Naomi Wolf. I said, oh, okay. So what do you do, Naomi? <laughs> and she says, I write on, I'm a writer. I write on women's issues. Now, again, keep in mind, I know exactly who she is. And they're <laughs> counting down. We are on in 10, 9, 8. And I look at her, I go, oh, so like Cosmo? And you're on live. And she was fuming, fuming that someone would assume it. And it was just sometimes you do a little bit of that mental warfare. I knew who she was. So if you're watching Naomi, I knew who you were. Um, just wanted to screw with you a little bit. But I will say this. So <laughs> that leads to Cosmo. I bought this Cosmo because it had something on the cover that was about feminism. It says 80%, 80% of women uh, said no when asked, do you believe that if a woman is regretful, of sex, of a sexual experience after the case, 
that it is sexual assault. 80% said no. Which means that 20% said yes. Yeah. 20% believe that if you're a bad lover and they regret it, you've sexually assaulted them. That blew my mind. Now, this is a thing, Stephen, amongst feminists. It's called rape by fraud. They actually tried to introduce a law in New Jersey which said if somebody lied about their age, employment history, salary, uh, when they slept with a woman, that afterwards, you know, even years later, the woman could go back and charge them with rape, the equivalent punishment, and they could spend up to 20 years in prison. And there's actually a woman that's pushing this. She's wrote a book about it. She's quite prominent now. It's called Rape by Fraud. So if you lied before sex, they now want to treat you as a rapist. If you merely lied about your age, your salary, um, anything, basically. What if, you just, what if you just ferment your beard? Is that considered yeah. enough? Well, she, she demanded that before women sleep with men, they would need to provide um, proof of address, you know, driver's license, passport, proof of employment before any, you know, sexual activity takes place. <laughs> you don't even need that to vote. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I made a video about that. So, again, there are so many different strands of third wave feminism that are batshit insane. <laughs> I have to bleep that out. I, we might have to bleep that out. I'll have my producer here bleep that out for terrestrial. I don't know what the rule is because perhaps since it's attached to bat, it's not considered <laughs> scatological in a human sense. Okay, so let's go to the transgender thing because I, I spoke about this. We spoke about this on Twitter. And I did some videos on this. Firstly, let me say that nothing said here, and I think I speak for both of us, is, is spoken from a position of hate or wanting any kind of harm to come to someone, regardless of their personal sexual choices or orientation or race. Now, the transgender thing, Planet Fitness is an example, uh, obviously recently in the news. You're a libertarian. You're English. So people would assume you line up a specific way. Where do you line up on the cultural issue right now, this, this honestly, f phenomenon of transgenderism? I agree with people doing whatever they want to do in the privacy of their own homes and behaving however they want to behave within the law. What I don't agree with is, again, using the state at the, at the end of a barrel of a gun to force me to agree with what they, what they want or to force me to pay taxes to, for transgender people to have operations on the National Health Service in Britain, because that's how it is. You know, we have socialized healthcare in Britain, the NHS. We all pay our taxes to fund this healthcare system. Do you still live there, by the way? Yeah, I, I live just outside of London. How and unpopular I, are you? <laughs> listen, I've, I've been to parties and argued about this, merely saying, I don't think I should have to pay for transgender people to have sex change operations on the NHS through my taxes. If they want to pay for it themselves, more power to them. Do whatever you like. I don't think I should have to pay for it. Just like I don't think I should have to pay for breast enhancement surgery, which I do also. So I've, I've been to parties where people will literally get in my face and scream and then run away because they say that, you know, these people have emotional issues. They might get depressed if they don't have a sex change. So I should be happy to pay for it. And if I don't, I'm hateful. Yeah. That's, well, that's how it is. I also don't believe it's my job. Regarding, even if you don't want to uh, chop off your John Thomas and you're depressed, it's not my job to fix your depression. So I, I don't even agree with the premise on which they would base their argument. It's, um, 
it's 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 one of those issues again. It goes back to feminism and then the, the same sex issue. I'm not I'm not saying I line up either way wholeheartedly on any. They're individual issues on a case by case basis, but it is the blending, the blurring, the elimination of gender lines. And once you do that, legally, it's very hard to argue the contrary. And that's kind of where we are. I mean, how do you how do you argue? How do you say same sex marriage absolutely, and then say? By the way, if you're a man and you dress up as a woman, you're not allowed to go in the women's restroom. Legally, it, you don't have a leg to stand on once you've gone that far along the trail. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the transgender issue, transgenderism was once defined as a mental disorder. Now, you can debate whether that's the case or not. Sure. But as recently as 2012, in the DSM, you know, the American Psychiatric Association manual, transgenderism was only removed in 2012. So if you define that as a mental disorder up until that point, what conditions which are currently defined as mental disorders will in the future be accepted as normal? You know, there are people with body integrity identity disorder. These are people who feel that their own limbs should be detached from their bodies and it makes them depressed if they're not. So should I have to be forced by the state to pay through my taxes for people to have their limbs removed on the National Health Service, socialized health care, you know, on the NHS, because they might get depressed, they might commit suicide. So how far do you push this philosophical argument down the line? And, and right. what kind of mental disorders that are defined as that now will later you know, the taxpayer be forced to pay for. That's that's the problem. We've got to get you to America, man. I feel bad for you. <laughs> you who are your friends? No, but you're right. And I, I, I do ask this, too. If we're not going to call it a, a disorder, are there any other conditions, personal choices that involve body mutilation required that we don't call a disorder? Is there any other, honestly, uh, tweet me at S. Crowder. I would like to know, is there any other condition that we consider normal that requires for that normal to happen uh, gross body mutilation? I, I can't think of any. Can you? No, but the argument they make is that a few transgender people per year commit suicide because they're depressed. So that's why we should pay for it, because it's an important treatment. Yeah. I don't think I should be forced to pay for it by the state. If right. they want to pay for it themselves. Breast enhancement surgery, same argument. People can get that on the NHS. It's free. It's not free because I pay for it, the taxpayer, but they can get Are it on the NHS. there a lot more breast implants? Because I would think of, you know, like Texas or California to be the land of breast implants, but is it actually the UK? It is. It is, definitely. It's well, available on the NHS. You can Google it and find out. But I mean, Are they getting all their teeth fixed now? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a stereotype, but it's a genuine question. That is a stereotype that persists. I can't say it's very extant now. But... <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. I, said oh, I don't have to worry about that because I've got perfect teeth. You've got so. perfect teeth. You look like you should be on the WB network. <laughs> or wait, no, it's the CW now. I don't know. I don't know. One of those pretty guys. Well, I mean, you mentioned, like, who are your friends? I mean, it, it, it is a genuine issue. You know, being a conservative, a young conservative, maybe I would describe myself as a you know, a conservatarian, but, you know, we can use the term conservative. Being a conservative for a young person in the UK is like being a homosexual in the 1950s. You have to stay in the closet because it's a hostile environment. 
It's like I said, people will literally scream in my face if I express any viewpoint which is anti, you know, it's like the, the, imagine the whole of America being like the most liberal areas of California. That's how bad it is. Well, that's what it was where I was raised in Quebec. Plus, you've got the French to deal with. But you just said homosexual. Is that still is that still allowed in England? Because it's not here. Really? Yeah, it's considered it's, hate. it's considered discriminatory. You're supposed to. Say, is it? Uh, I don't know if it's gay or queer, but I know homosexual is considered offensive. <laughs> I think queer is frowned upon more than homosexual in the United Kingdom. So oh, definitely not here. You cannot say homosexual. We're gonna get letters. Really? Yeah. Well, just goes to show we're bridging this cultural divide, Paul, so we appreciate <laughs> it. So, okay, we have to have you back uh, sometime soon. Where can people best find you if they want to find some of your glorious work, sir? Um, the YouTube channel is YouTube slash Prison Planet Live, and it's at Prison Planet on Twitter. Those are the best places. There you go. And send him a tweet to keep him company out in the lonely, lonely <laughs> liberal UK where everyone's out to kill him. Got to be careful with the Muslim thing too, man. I, I had uh, some vacations planned out there, and I, I don't go with the fatwa on my head. So keep your head down. Stay safe. Okay. Thanks, Stephen. All right. Thank you, Senor Watson. And we will be back louder with Crowder after this break. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle, or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. To Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. I am back, apparently. You're back and you're rocking. Is the worst producer ever. Hey, I'm following your suggestion and and signing up for Twitter and and tweeting things and and all of that modern stuff. You can't say crap on air. You say it all the time. You say worse off air. Oh, I am the f most foul-mouthed jerk in the history of mankind off the mic. Anyway, I j had no idea I was back, so thank you. Hey, I pointed at you. Well, you pointed at me, like, literally after we were already on. So uh, <laughs> we are back. Great, great guest, uh, Mr. Paul. Is it Paul Thomas Watson? Paul Joseph Watson. It's important you put in the middle name because like, there are a lot of Paul Watsons out there. And if you search it, he won't necessarily turn up. So you have to be careful. You can end up at some weird places in the Internet. 
But uh, Fundip loves the English people. I don't know what what is I don't know what his fascination is with English people. We'll get back to the gay rights it started issue, of with course, the, Beatles. the big Iran deal. But Fundip before we got into the guest interview was eating a whole a whole little like old folks home paper cup of pills. Yeah, no, it wasn't pills. It was granola and spirulina and nuts and raisins and dried cranberries. Now, what's the reason for the spir- uh, the spirulina? It looked good at the store on the rack. Oh, so your doctor didn't tell you to take it or anything like that? No, it it, it was green and it was pretty. Okay, because that's actually a great example. There's a piece up right now in the Blaze magazine. Uh, we'll actually get a video up at louderwithcrowder.com. Folks, if you're not signed up for the mailing list, go there. It's free. You'll be kept in the loop where I talk about the organic food scam. And funnily enough, spirulina is one of the perfect examples. I, I didn't include it because you could spend an entire article on the scam that is organic spirulina. So for those of you who don't know, this is important because Fundip's getting healthy and we're, we're keeping you updated. And, and uh, he just joined Twitter. Is it Fundip Dan? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Fundip Space. No, Fundip Dan. Yeah, yeah, Fundip Dan. At Fundip Dan. That's all it is. So follow Fundip now at Fundip Dan and send him words of encouragement regarding uh, his health quest. But spirulina is a blue-green uh, algae. Yeah, it, lo- it looks really good, and it, it tastes kind of minty a little bit. Well, if you like it, that's good. So sometimes it can kind of taste like pond scum. But the, the point is it's a blue-green algae. There are really there are three. There's actually there's blue-green algae. There's spirulina and there's chlorella. Now, I know a lot of people are going, oh, Chlamydia. Why are you talking about politics? Shut off the dial. No, no, hold on. This is important, and you need to know this. I'm going to bring it back around. So spirulina is a blue-green algae. Now, a couple of things. It is good for you. It does have a lot of chlorophyll, has a lot of antioxidants. Uh, there are some good things. But vegans push it a lot as a protein source and as a natural source of vitamin B12 because vitamin B12 is really only found in animal products, period. There are no natural sources of vitamin B12 for vegetarians or vegans. It's why it's not healthy to be a vegan. So spirulina is a blue-green algae that's basically pond scum, and it's harvested for health. A lot of vegans try and push something that's wrong. Again, antioxidants, good for you. Okay, there are a lot of good things. But vegans push it as a source of protein and vitamin B12. A couple of problems. To get the protein out of that, you'd have to eat literally the entire bottle you have a day to get enough protein. Vitamin B12 is not found in any natural uh, plant products, only in animal products. Now, that's a problem that's solved easily nowadays by uh, supplements, right? You can go buy a B12 supplement. Great. But to me, if your diet requires unnatural supplementation, that's a sign that it might not be optimal for the human race. So, also, uh, before we get into the organic scam with spirulina, it's a B12 analog. In, in, in spirulina, which means that it's not real B12. And the problem with that is that it will compete, basically, in layman's terms, it will compete for the same spot in your system as real B12. So people take spirulina to cover a B12 deficiency, but in doing so, many of them can even create or exacerbate a B12 uh, deficiency because your body's going, oh, we have B12, it's here, but it's not really usable B12. But here's a big thing with spirulina. First example of the organic food scam. Now, is that organic spirulina fun dip? I don't know. I got it at Whole Foods. They probably label it that way. Well, exactly. A lot of places label spirulina organic. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. As a matter of fact, the number one spirulina company I've taken their stuff is, uh, is it Nutrix Hawaii? I don't know. Their stuff is very good. It's more expensive. Uh, but it's grown in Hawaii. It's the closest thing to actual organic spirulina you can get. The reason there is no way to do organic spirulina 
is because what has to be used as a fertilizer to be organic, it's basically, put it this way, you'd have to use manure or something to that effect. And since you're growing it in water, you're essentially growing pond scum, there would be a bacterial infestation, the magnitude of which people could not comprehend, and you can't use it. So it's not like a garden where you're using organic vegetables. You know, In the soil, you can have some crap in the soil, and you're, you're, no, worse, you're no worse off eating a carrot. With spirulina, it is impossible to use non-organic fertilizers and chemicals to create and harvest spirulina. So anyone who is putting the organic label on there is clearly lying or being misleading. Now, that's nearly all organic labels. But that's a perfect example of, of where the industry runs people uh, off, uh, off the rails. So it's important. I'm Again, at ladderwithcrowder.com, the organic food scam will be releasing a video. I'm a big fan of supporting your local farms, knowing where your food comes from. I'm a bit of a hippie when it comes to that. But buying organic doesn't necessarily mean that you are doing that. For example, you know, the big organic milk uh, fund up that you see everywhere, like Horizon, you've seen that, the organic oh, milk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dean's Milk. It's the same company. <laughs> it's Dean's Milk where they change a couple little things and they realize they can mark up the price and now they have a corner on two markets. They have a corner on... Uh, the lower income or middle income people who buy the big jug of milk. And then they have uh, the, the, the Whole Foods hipsters who are going and going, you know, they're going to go spend $6 on half a gallon of milk, but it's effectively the same milk. There are a lot of scams going on, and that's what leftists do. And yes, I am pushing that the organic idea is, is generally pushed by leftists, absolutely, because it's dishonest. Well, that, and have you walked through Whole Foods? Yeah, you walked through Whole Foods. So we'll talk more about that and the scam, the shell game that is the Indiana law and religious freedoms. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Everyone likes to dance to a happy song. So glad to be back with you on this glorious day. Hello, Michigan. Hello, Internet. Hello, Alaska. Hello, world, I guess. Hello, kitty. Stop it. You stop that right now. Put an end to this tomfoolery. We've got to be serious on this show. For those of you who don't know, Fun Dip Dan just joined Twitter. You can follow him at Fun Dip Dan. And, of course, myself at S. Crowder. And send him some words of encouragement as we follow him here. He's, he's losing weight. He's getting healthy. And, uh, you know, we want to see him around for a while. I know he says he wants to take himself out before 50, but he's all talk. Who would have thought that I could get on Twitter with my Commodore 64? <laughs> Commodore 64. That's I'm thinking of a uh, Famicom 64 was what Nintendo 64 was called in Japan. Yep. What's Commodore 64? It's it's an archaic computer from that same era. Oh, that's right. No, no, and Nintendo 64 was still like early 2000s. So. Oh, so the, yeah, this would have been about 20 years before that then. Right. You've never played Nintendo 64. No. Um so did you you know a deal with Iran has been reached? Yeah, uh, there, Dana had uh, the president on for such a long period of time, I had to turn it down. He ha she had Barack Obama on, you mean? Yeah, she wasn't interviewing him. It was just a feed from his speech about the whole thing. I was like, I can't listen to this guy's voice for this long. Every right. time I hear it, it annoys me, except problem, for when he was talking it, about the fries. Yeah, well, the problem is he's not honest, and, that's, and it's by design. I, now, I hate to always, like I say, never... 
attribute to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. But when Barack Obama speaks, he is knowingly misleading the public. And with this case, really simple. I mean, even USA Today called him out. The nuke deal right now with Iran will not prevent Iran's secret work. It won't prevent them from doing whatever they want to do with their nuclear capabilities. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the whole gun grabber issue. Okay, you've got this agreement with Iran, but it's not going to prevent them from doing the things illegally anyway. Right. Well, Netanyahu uh, says that the deal is worse than they thought it would be. Uh, I'm reading this right now. Netanyahu feared for the worst with the deal with Iran, and now he says it's worse than he thought it would be. So that's, pre that's pretty concerning. I mean, there's one ally in that, and you have liberals right now, their argument is that Iran is an ally because they're trying to fight off ISIS, right? Um, but Iran, lest we forget, you know, supported the Iraqi military at one point. Uh, you know, they've, 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 they've been on the wrong side of history many, many, many times. And of course, they've proactively set their plan to be on the wrong side of history moving forward and that they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That's what Ahmadinejad has said. He said Israel must be wiped off the face of the map. And liberals will say, well, he was quoting an imam. Okay. <laughs> what does it matter? If I were to say all blacks should be hung, I, I didn't make that statement, but I support that statement. Do you think they'd say, well, Stephen was just quoting Robert Byrd. Who cares? No. They would say, Stephen said all black people should be hung. Somebody it, is going to record that and cut it up and put it out there. Right, exactly. Uh, I, I don't even care anymore. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to play that game, the politically correct game, the, oh, I want to be careful what I say because someone can take offense to it or someone's going, I, I know people are going to take offense to what I say. I know people are going to try and chop up what I say. I'm just going to say it anyway. And that's a big problem, too. You know, we're talking around. We'll go back to the... Uh, the Indiana and the Arkansas, the laws, they've backed off. You know, oh, well, we'll put in some kind of a, we'll put in some writing here to revise the law to make sure they can't discriminate against gay people. The fact is the law was created for a reason. The only thing that's changed is the politically correct public perception because of media malpractice. Don't change the law. Don't cave. Grow a pair and stick up for religious freedoms like you were originally intending to do. So that really bothers, you know, and conservatives, well, oh, thanks, thanks, Governor Mike, and thank you so much, we're just, no. Guy's a pansy. The guy is not, and I can see Fundip right now is tweeting, I've created a monster. <laughs> He's not even paying attention to the show. That's the problem. You told me to do this. I told you to do it, I didn't say to spend all day, I mean, do it when we're not on the show all the time. Every now and then is fine crying out loud we're gonna miss our show bumps because you're tweeting some guy i've got him set up to go automatically now <laughs> good lord we've created a monster i you know it really does bother me. why why is it that republicans always always give a little bit oh we need to give oh yeah i'm not talking about you know compromise as far as finding a political solution i'm talking about caving on your principles I mean, the First Amendment, religious freedom, that's that's one of the basics. I don't know. It's the first one. I can't be the only one who thinks it's the first one for a reason. Why do you need to cave when all you're saying is that businesses should have the right of refusal? You know, let's let's go into this. I have a libertarian friend. A lot of libertarians don't even believe that uh, you shouldn't 
Okay, I'm doing a double negative there. A lot of libertarians believe that you should be able to serve some, uh, should be able to deny service because someone's black or because someone's gay. I'm not even arguing that. Of course not. I'm arguing that you shouldn't be forced to be involved with a specific activity or business transaction. Gay person comes in when it's a birthday cake. I don't think you should be able to say no birthday cake just because you're gay. Gay person wants a gay wedding cake is different. But libertarians, a lot of them are saying, well, you should be able to say no because you're gay. What do you, th I mean, what do you think? Tweet me at S. Crowder. Fund it. What, what do you think about that? I think that be the event, the wedding, is, is the key in the whole idea, the whole concept of the thing. I would never say that a Christian baker should be able to deny service to someone because they're black or because they're gay or because they're Muslim, or a Muslim baker should deny everybody else in the world just because they don't <laughs> like them. You know, but right. you don't want to be a Christian guy who's who has to go deliver pizzas to the local mosque. You know, of course, they'd have to have the right uh, halal meat on them. If you don't belong in the place, whether it be a gay wedding, a mosque, a church, then or you, you should, don't want to take part in yeah, the activity. If, if you don't feel you belong, if you don't feel comfortable with it. No one should be able to force you to do it. Right, exactly. I mean, and actually my friend Mark Ripito made this point, to, it's not enough, and this is where, fund up, I hope you can acknowledge this, because you're, you're obviously your pro-gay marriage, all that. It's not enough for someone like me to say, or someone like a baker to say, we don't care what you do. Go ahead, whatever you do in your own bedroom, that's fine. It's not enough to say that. You have to, it's, it's not enough until you like the way everyone lives their life. Oh, until, yeah. Until you support the way they live their life. It's not enough for a baker to say, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Get, I don't care. Go ahead. Get, get, your, get you married. Get your civil union. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, get your cakes, whatever. You have to personally support their marriage with your business. Forcing companies, forcing businesses to do business against their will essentially at gunpoint, that's what the government is, is they take your money, they take your ability to eat, they take your living, and then they come with guns and they take your stuff. Let's be honest, that's what it comes down to. I'm not saying the government is going to start, you know, rounding up Christians and shooting them. That's not what I'm saying. But let's be honest, when the government is forcing you to do something, first step is a warning. Next step is you can no longer operate in a modern economy. Next step is we take your stuff. Well, how do they take your stuff? Gunpoint. You don't No, we're taking your stuff. Police are coming in with guns. That's the end game to force a business to provide a service, to force a business to go into any kind of a contract with which they don't feel comfortable is as unconstitutional. And, and by the way, as evil as anything I can think of. I wholeheartedly agree with that, even though I totally support the gay marriage thing. I just don't see forcing people to be involved in things that, whether it is, you know, anathema to their religious beliefs or they're just creeped out by it or whatever. Well, you understand the problem, though, the inconsistency there funded with the gay marriage thing. When you say it, you know, you're saying you support the gay marriage to be legal. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. And it's the problem that's happened in the U.K. and Canada. For example, there are states where gay civil unions are allowed. They have all the same rights, and it's not called marriage. 
but they still pushed for marriage. Why? Well, well, let me explain to you why. Why does the term matter? Because if you declare marriage a fundamental human right, not a civil right, a human right, a birthright, and a church says, we're not going to marry you, or they speak out against same-sex marriage, that is now a violation of human rights. It's not if it's civil union and churches say we won't perform a marriage, but if it's marriage is declared a fundamental human right, all practicing Christian churches, churches that actually observe, you know, the biblical teaching on, on homosexuality, are now violating human rights and therefore will lose their tax exempt status. And that's what's happened in Canada with pastors. It's what's happened in the UK. Businesses lose their businesses. So people don't understand the gay marriage issue. The reason that a lot of Christians are saying, well, civil union's fine, let's not call it marriage, is because it has happened. Once marriage is a fundamental human right, it will destroy the church, and that's the goal for a lot of people. But calling it something else is the same as separate but equal drinking fountains. It's not. To those, not. To those that are, are de- it dealing with it. It doesn't, doesn't matter to those. It doesn't matter to those. I think I, their feelings I, I, I matter. Can't, I can't marry multiple people. Again, it's a contract. That's a marriage is a contract. When you hit I, it out of the ballpark, you don't need anybody else, dude. <laughs> That's true. I can't imagine more than one wife. It's exhausting. But I can't marry. <laughs> I can't marry more than one person. I can't marry someone who's below, depending on the state, below the age of sixteen. Those are that's criteria for marriage. I can't marry my bobber cat. We, we have you can't. And by the way, there's a huge advocacy group for people being able to marry their animals or objects, objectum sexuals. And it sounds silly, but there's no way you can say marriage is a fundamental human right and deny those people. I don't see a legal argument for allowing same-sex marriage and being able to say, yeah, but polygamy is not allowed. I can't see an argument for it. Well, I just think that any two adult legal individuals should be able to marry each other. But see, you're, that's because of your personal preference definition of marriage. That's not necessarily what it is. Marriage has always been a contract between a man and a woman or a man and several women. So you can change it if you want, but that's the problem. If you change it to open it up to being a fundamental human right, then the people who don't agree with you, like churches, are now violating human rights. But, I mean, humans created it. Why not humans decide what it means? Well, most humans don't agree with your view on it. And the problem is when it, when it goes to courts and judges make the choices and not people, that destroys the church. It is much more harmful. And I'm, by the way, I'm not even saying I'm against same-sex marriage or civil unions. Certainly, I think states have the right to do that. Uh, I've always been in support of civil unions where they can have the same rights. Property sharing, hospital insurance, fine. The issue is the term marriage because like you see in Canada, like you see in the UK, once you make marriage a fundamental human right, churches are violating human rights by not recognizing it. Maybe and ban it for s- everybody. What was that? Maybe ban it for everybody. Marriage? Yeah, get uh, abolish the whole thing. Well, you know, and that's a point we can, a discussion we can have. The federal government probably shouldn't be in the marriage running business, and I understand that point. But the fact is they are. Getting them out of the business is going to be a lot stickier than figuring out how to move forward. I'd like and to moving, get them out of everything. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. Mar- you know, marriages should just be recognized by the government as a union, and then churches recognize, sorry, relationships should be recognized as unions by the government, and then marriage should be by the church. 
but it's not. So you have to go down the logic trail and say, okay, well, why does the federal government recognize marriage? Do you know why marriage was so important and pushed in the country? No. Historically? Okay. The reason why, and the reason why they wanted to create legal incentives and tax benefits, which people now mock, was because they wanted to populate the country and because they wanted limited government. The reason marriage was important to early founding fathers and to early legislators is because they wanted limited government. Let me explain. Before federal government, before state government, before municipal government, they wanted the central building block to the American way of life to be the family. They understood that for the strongest communities humanly possible, they needed to encourage, foster an environment, and create more families. Families meaning father, mother, children. So that's why the federal government recognizes marriage. But why not allow for gay couples to have strong families as well? You can. You're changing it, though. Again, if you look at it historically, gay couples couldn't have kids. <laughs> I mean, there was a reason. They wanted you to go forth and populate, and we'll, we'll make your tax burden a little bit easier. So would I love them out of the marriage-running business? Yeah, absolutely. But they are in the marriage-running business, so it's important to know why they are in the marriage-running business. It's just much more complicated than love versus hate. That's my point. We're going to go to a break here, and then we will be back discussing gayness, marriage, Iran, and, uh, oh, minimum wage. Some good stories on that. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. So glad to have you with us and to have you listening to Alice Cooper's Poison. One of the best worst songs ever. It's a lot of fun. I do love it. Oh, and now uh, I've I've gathered up some more music. The uh, we were talking about Carl Douglas, and now everyone here can't get that out of their head. And I'm going to have that for us probably next week. Kung Fu Fighting. Yeah. Everybody was kung fu fighting. <gasps> Those cats were fast as lightning. Was, no, I think it's kicks, not cats. I always figured it was just like the 70s term for cool it's cats. people. Yeah. Those cats were fast as lightning. No, it's kicks. You're wrong. You're no. wrong, but leave it to you to misinterpret something that involves the physical kicks to cats. <laughs> well, I love cats. I know you love cats. Uh, and dogs. Who doesn't love dogs? I actually, I, you know, I give cats a lot of crap, but we should tweet out people like cats or dogs. And then always, whatever we talk about, and then we bring up cats and dogs, and that's always the thing people hang on. <laughs> I like cats. I like dogs. And then it's like, you know, I'll crucify your mother. Dogs suck. It's just people get so mad. I so like quickly. Any, anything that's furry and cute and, you know, small. And there's just something about animals. I love animals. And then I feel guilty because not only do I love animals, but I love steak. It's true. Yeah, but cows aren't 
cute or fun. Well, they're kind of cute. I mean, if you see like a baby cow, like when I went to the petting zoo, this had to have been 12 years ago. Let's I ended not up being, make this one a long tangent. No, I ended up being vegetarian for like two years after I went to a petting zoo. I would never do that. I usually get, I just get annoyed so easily at the end of my petting zoo visit. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I want to go eat some lamb. Give me some lamb chops. That guy stole my food. That little lamb stole it. Now his brothers have to pay. By the way, minimum wage. We're going to go back to gay wedding cakes, Indiana, Iran. But minimum wage is a story right now coming out of uh, Detroit. I'm reading this. Detroit CBS local. Fast food workers are still continuing to protest after a week raise. They demand $15 an hour and a union. $15 an hour to flip burgers at McDonald's. Do you know what my ninth grade math teacher used to say? No, what? If we failed a test or something like that, or if we weren't doing really well, if we weren't applying ourselves, he'd say, his name was Mr. Zaharuko. He would say, Hey, that's okay. The world needs burger flippers at McDonald's too, you know? <laughs> but I'm sure that that's an insult to burger flippers now. Are you saying that I'm less... I'm saying your job is an unskilled job. I'm saying anyone can do it. I'm saying I could teach a 12-year-old boy to do your job as efficiently as you can, and he'd probably be more grateful and less entitled. Doesn't mean I hate you. What I'm saying is, instead of just being happy in a job that's been a punchline for a long, long time, how about trying to move up the ladder to a better job? I can't. Really? Because I had friends when I, who, who left school. So they didn't, I don't even know if they finished high school, my French-Canadian friends. They went to work at McDonald's, two of them. Within a year and a half were shift managers. I think one of them to this day is a manager. Managers at McDonald's make decent income, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They make a good living. They make above the average salary across the country. And then if you're a manager at, let's say, a shoe store in the mall, you know, all, all of these people make decent livings. You're not expected to be in a minimum wage job the rest of your life. You're not expected to be a bus boy the rest of your life. You're not expected to be a stocking boy the rest of your life. Those were designed for high schoolers. Why? Because it's a skillless job that anyone can do and you are expected to develop skills at some point, to grow as a human being. See, the system is set up because society believes that you can become a better version of yourself. When you start demanding a higher minimum wage for burger flipping, you're telling us that you don't believe you can do better. You don't believe you're better than a burger flipping job. Again, there's nothing wrong with doing it. God bless you. Do the job and then try and move up. Because I'll tell you what, I'm not paying $5 for my dollar McDouble. I love my dollar McDouble. I'm not paying more for it simply because you think you deserve more. You don't. Steven, that's just mean. I guess it's a little mean. You're saying that their job is worth less than that worth $15 an hour? Yes. Your job is not worth $15 an hour. It is not worth it to pay you that much. If you're flipping burgers and you've been doing it for so long that you can't move up, you probably shouldn't be flipping burgers. We need to find a position for you somewhere. I don't know. Louder with Crowder.
For the Motor City Maniac, the wit from the mitt, the Great Lakes Grandmaster, the Motown Madman, the Mittens Killer Kitten. We ran out of nicknames. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. You are listening. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. Louderwithcrowder.com to go see the video that's up right now that uh, pretty much is everywhere. I don't say it to brag. I say it because a lot of people want to see it. I went undercover as gay Crowder to Muslim bakeries to see if they would make me a gay wedding cake. And I'm pretty sure you can guess how it goes, but you should watch it anyway. Just because the reactions are funny. And uh, by the way, to some conservatives who are saying, you should really sue them, man. Make a point. No, that's liberal stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sue. You know why? Because I believe that the Muslim bakeries have the right to turn away someone who wants a gay cake. I support their right to do it. Uh, why would I do That's the problem with both the right and the left, is they just try and make political points. Let's boycott. Why? I've never supported a boycott. Now, I won't buy a GM car ever. Not because I'm telling everyone else it's a boycott, but because I don't want to support government-funded uh, automobiles. You're- I believe the... The solution to that is not to buy a new GM car, but to buy one from before then from a previous owner. Yeah, I, yeah. I just still, they have low quality. No, I'm sorry. They, I, my 2001 Buick runs like a top. Buick is a uh, Ford, I think. No, Buick is General Motors. I oh, know Buick is General Motors. Yeah, Buick da- is actually yeah. Buick is one of the few General Motors uh, brands that has a higher quality rating. Yeah, David Dunbar Buick founded it. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, if you look at the the numbers, actually, the repairs that happened with, I think it was, was it the LAPD? All the police forces that switched from Crown Victorias to, uh, was it Impalas or Malibus? They switched to Impalas, and they switched back after a couple of years because there was just constant reliability issues. So uh, just from a, a purely statistical level, it's the lowest quality in automobiles or GMs. I know people are going to get mad. Ford is found on road dead. Listen, it just comes down to the individual car. And I'll be honest, the Japanese cars are making way better cars right now. They don't even have a word for tow truck in Japan. I like German cars, but I, I can't fit into a lot of the small cars. You know, you'd think German cars, but actually VW now has one of the lowest reliability ratings of any manufacturer, which is which was surprising to me. That is fascinating because... Well, I guess it makes sense. You know, when you think of like a 1970s bug, everybody was always, you know, having to hit the hit the engine to get it working again with a hammer. No, so. I, but I mean the new ones. Yeah, you know, you, and you would think Volvo. Volvo has bad reliability ratings now. You know, that used to be the, the joke was how reliable Volvo was. But it was I think it's owned by Ford now, and it's not really the same kind of – it's not the same car. Um, so I would go uh, – I would probably go Korean on my next car. Probably go Hyundai or Kia. Employ Americans, by the way. They have their they have their uh, have their factories here in the states. Employ just as many Americans buying a, a Korean car than you do an American car. And uh, by the way, people are going, oh, America, but it's an American company. Yeah, but they get a lot of their parts from China. So, <laughs> buy American cars. You're supporting basically slave labor in China. You buy some Korean cars. You're also supporting <laughs> manufacturing jobs in the states. So it's not as simple as be American, buy American. Now, be American, buy the best. Be American, buy the best car you can possibly get for your money. Let the market speak for, speak for itself. And when you're spending thousands of dollars in dental benefits and laser eye surgery and lavish 
vacations, time off paid as you do for a UAW worker with GM. It's no longer the American thing to do. Yeah, that's the one part that bothers me about buying. Well, if you buy a new car, I think you're supporting unions. But if you buy a used car, you're not involved in the political discussion at all, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you just put it this way, too. Unless you're a millionaire, you shouldn't be buying a new car. The truth is, and people go, well, what do you mean? Like, no, no, I mean, unless you're a millionaire. Oh, let's, let's scale it back so that I'm saying this without a hint of exaggeration. Unless you are a millionaire. Uh, not a millionaire. Let's say, unless you're making a quarter million a year, okay? You cannot afford even a Ford Fusion. You can't. I want the Flex. If I'm going to get a Ford, I want the Flex. Point is, you can't afford it. Not you. I'm not saying you fund it, though you can't. No one can. <laughs> so what do people do? They lease it. They put it on the card, and they go, oh, I'm going to get this. And they make the payments, and they lose the value of the car, and it's a horrible investment. The fact is, if it were based on what you can afford, every single person outside of the super wealthy would be driving older cars. And um, listen, my wife and I do pretty well. And we've never, I mean, our cars are ancient. You've seen them. We have one that's, uh, they're both 03s because we're just driving. Them. At this point, you can't really get a ton of resale out of them. So we'll just drive them into the ground and then we'll get another new used car, a newer used car, probably three, you know, two, three years old with low miles. And that way we don't lose 35% the second we drive it off the lot. This is just one of those things. Americans, well, that's part of the American dream. No, you don't deserve a car. And most Americans cannot afford. You, no, nearly all of them can't afford new cars. Deal with it. Buy a used car. It just makes the most sense. I don't think I've ever even wanted a brand new car. You know, it's one of those things. I, I travel a lot, so I rent cars. And I'll get in and go, oh, this is nice. You know, I can hook my iPod directly in here. Oh, you know, the acceleration, it's, it's tight. But the second I get out of it, I forget about it. You know, uh, unless I'm in a car that's particularly uncomfortable, like overly small. Yeah. It's like uh, when you first meet, like, uh, you know, somebody new. It's like, oh, this is really great. And then if they didn't strike you, you just off on a tangent. You forget them. Yeah, exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. So it's not something that I particularly, I, I guess I'm not a car guy. I had a lot of fun when one time they gave me a, a Mustang convertible uh, when I was in L.A. I've had that a couple of times when I rent cars or they upgrade me. And it's fun. But it's not something that I, I know personally. For some people, it would. It's not something that would make me happier. But also, you know, I have a motorcycle that I ride. So I get my thrill with that. You know, if I'm looking for performance. What kind of motorcycle do you have? Well, I have an old Yamaha Maxim 650. Uh, and then uh, my father-in-law has a Triumph Bonneville, actually, which, uh, which now I Now, that Triumph sounds nice. Well, the Maxim is very, very fast. The Maxim will do zero. It's a, it looks like a cruiser. But it'll do 0 to 60 in about 3.8. If I ever got a motorcycle, I'd want a Beamer. I'd want a BMW motorcycle. Those they, do things good, are, they do nice motorcycles. They're so cool looking. We're going to get complaints that we went off on a tangent. But this actually has to do with the topic here. Unions spent $23 million last year for a higher minimum wage push. So we talk about this a lot. You're talking about GM, the unions, uh, big bailouts, buying American. What is American about supporting big unions pressuring government. I don't understand that. And by the way, when people get mad about the Koch brothers and Citizens United and money in politics, again, people can go to louderwithcrowder.com. We put this up, these lists up. If you look at the top political donors of all time, all time, you can see these are public records. Out of the top 20, I think it's eight. I think it's 16 are unions. There isn't an oil company, not one, that cracks the top 20. 
It doesn't exist. There isn't, there isn't uh, a big pharma company that cracks the top 20. They're all nonprofit activist organizations. Uh, and I think AT&T and Verizon are the private companies that I remember. And then, you know, United Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Union, the UAW, the teachers unions. And they give virtually all of their money to Democrats. If you look at AT&T, evil big business, they give about 45, 55% to Republicans, a pretty even split. By the way, J.P. Morgan, obviously some big banks there. J.P. Morgan, uh, banks like that, gave overwhelmingly to Obama. So the idea that uh, the money in politics comes from big pharmaceutical, big oil, no, big unions. And the big problem with big unions is a lot of them are public sector unions. So they're essentially using taxpayer dollars to donate to ensure that people get elected who those taxpayers probably aren't even voting for. To me, that is as corrupt as you can possibly get. It's much more corrupt than a private business saying, hey, we want to give a bunch of money to this, to this candidate because we support his, his, his morals, his ethics, or we believe he'll create an environment that might favor business. I'm not saying that money doesn't change hands there. You know, a great example is, is, is Harley and Ronald Reagan, which was a big mistake on Reagan's part, where he put tariffs on Japanese motorcycles coming into the country. Now you can argue Japan did that to Harley so that American motorcycles couldn't be sold in Japan, but also Harley sucked. Yeah, there was a period there where everybody was complaining about them. They were really bad. It was the uh, it was the AMG uh, days. I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, people who owned it. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it was AMG. They were terrible. The, the, the same company made bowling balls and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're actually nice motorcycles now, but they're not any better quality. Certainly, actually, as far as performance, they don't perform anywhere near as well as uh, the Hondas or, or Yamaha bikes, and they're four or five times the price. I liked the, uh, of the Hondas, I liked the Goldwing best, I think. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a car on two wheels. Yeah. Point. You can actually, you can get that thing going, you know, 90 or 100 on the freeway and not even feel it. Set it's the that. cruise control, have the radio on, you're good to go. I know, but that's just so dangerous when you think about it on a motorcycle going that fast. And the thing can turn on a dime. You'd be amazed. We should go to a break. Uh, let's go to a break, and we'll come back, talk more about unions and corruption. And Fun Dip is now on Twitter, at Fun Dip Dan. Follow him and tell him why you hate him. If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle, or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. I love that echo because it lets you know twice 
who you're listening to. <laughs> In case you missed it. <laughs> you're listening to Louder with Crowder. Huh? What? Louder with Crowder. Okay. <laughs> turn off. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I, I was going to turn the dial to WJR. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, you know, so for those of you listening online, which is a lot of you, this show is broadcast out of Detroit, Southeast Michigan, Ann Arbor, Wham, and the biggest station out there in Detroit, which is like an old school, it's not even a conservative station, you know, they have liberals on there, is WJR, and they just asked me to do their other morning show, Frank Beckman there, who's a very nice guy, but it's funny that it's like a competing network saying, hey, come on and do your competing show, and uh, man, it's a, it's a funny deal over there, I'll tell you what, it's just... Uh, most of their programming really sucks. I have to say I love it when Kathy Hookstra fills in for Beckman. I think she's the best fill-in host in the world. I'll tell you what about Frank Beckman. He's a very nice guy. So this is a story. So, again, conservatives, you might be complaining. You're going off topic. But Frank Beckman is a very nice guy. So the first time I ever did this kind of you know media blitz was the Canadian healthcare video where it was an undercover thing where I went into Canadian healthcare to the clinics and stuff to show people what it was, uh, what it was like. And this was at a time before anyone was doing that. You know, no one else was really doing hidden camera stuff as far as, you know, beyond like, you're stupid. Here's a prank. So it was new and it was kind of exciting. And so I would be doing so much press, you know, which I don't do anymore. I have a standing policy. I don't do any press unless it's a friend or a place where I genuinely think I can change somebody's mind. So it's either going to be someone like Dana or uh, my friend Rick Amato or, some, you know, Theron here, obviously. There are a few shows where I'm, I'm friendly. I'm like, sure, I'll do your show. Or a liberal show. I, I never, I just don't go on all the conservative shows anymore. And I, I same thing, we don't have the guests. I mean, I get so many guest pitches every day. We just don't do it. We're trying to do it differently. We want a show that's different. We want a show where... The delivery is different. The content is different. The feel is different. We don't just... Why would I want to have a guest on who's been on 35 other radio shows? Yeah, everybody's heard what they have to say. Well, right. And that's the thing is when I worked with these other companies or at other networks, you know, they'd have PR people who would just get me doing the rounds, right? So go do 50 radio shows. Literally, I had a week where I did, I think I counted about... About 50-something radio shows. And during that week, one of them was Frank Beckman. So you have to understand, I'm a kid at this point, 21 years old. I'm new, right? I'm just like, okay, I'll do the you want me, they tell me the show. They tell me to fight the big fight. I'll fight the big fight. So they tell me to do the show. I do the show as Frank Beckman. I have no idea who he is. I get on, and it's, literally like, it's almost like that character on SNL. Where the old old man is interviewing people on the location and hits them with the microphone. Like, it is so low energy. I remember I did it <laughs> that I was just like, ah, you know what? This must be like a, a podcast or something in someone's basement. And it was just like wildly inappropriate. And I think totally screwing with Frank because he didn't get it. And I was like, ah, that was fun. And then it turns out, like, I get all these tweets. Hey, heard you on Beckman. You know, you were an ass or whatever it was. Like... I had no idea. <laughs> I genuinely thought it was like a podcast, you know, for like Schenectady Cat Lovers Anonymous or something. Like it didn't seem like a professional radio show. So 
Yeah, let's watch. They'll be thrilled to have me on with Beckman right now. <laughs> I just said no, it was just like you know, and it's also you have to say I was twenty one, right? So I didn't realize that really, really old people are the rule rather than the exception in conservative radio. So I was coming from the entertainment background. Hey, I'm really, really old. You well, watch you're not. it. You're not really old. You're in your forties. Yeah, forty five. When I was twenty, I thought that that was ancient. No, I don't think of it old. I mean, my dad's my dad just turned 50, uh, 54, 55 yesterday, and um, you know, he's still kicking ass and taking names. So I don't have any excuse until at least then. What's Beckman? He's got to be in his seventies. Oh, I would suspect. I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's not atypical of conservative radio. It's pretty. It's I mean, it's pretty consistent across the board. For example, if you look at. Uh, Gus, I'm trying to pick my words very carefully, but I'm just not going to. If you look at the lineup, for example, the gentleman I replace this morning, right? Uh, Bennett is on during the week, and then I'm on Fridays because Bill Bennett takes Fridays off. Great guy. Love him, but he takes Fridays off. And so uh, since I'm from Michigan, it would make sense to have a guy doing a Michigan show on Detroit, and it's already popular as a podcast, so that's why. It's nothing personal. We love Bennett. But if you look at the lineup on many stations that would carry him and the lineup that's, I guess, part of the package, every single host, every single one is a 60-something-plus-year-old white guy. Now, there is nothing wrong with being a white guy. There is nothing wrong with being a 60-something-year-old-plus white guy. But when from 6 a.m. to 9 at night, Every single person is a 60-something-year-old white guy. At some point, you go, huh, is there a, is there a problem here? <laughs> I'm not saying you need to play identity politics. What I'm saying is, from an entertainment standpoint, I know for me, I like to hear different points of view. And believe me, the irony is not lost in me that I'm a white guy. You're just not 60-something yet. Well, I'm not 60-something, and I could be 60-something, and I wouldn't think like a 60-something-year-old. Listen, you can have plenty of young Republicans out there who would be better at being 60-something-year-old white guys than the actual 60-something-year-old white guys, okay? A lot of these young Republicans, I, you know, if I, when I used to go to CPAC, I mean, I hosted it for four years, and I, I don't say this to upset anyone. I just say it. Just, it I just never felt like I fit. You know, if you're being interviewed by a, a, someone who claims, hey, I'm a young Republican, great, and they're interviewing you, and they've got their bow tie and their um, their Madras shorts on. It looks like a Tucker Carlson lookalike convention. <laughs> and they interview me, and then they ask, and I start making jokes, and they're like, huh, yes, well, uh, you know, but a humor aside, I'd like to know about humor aside. That's to say, hey, you aside. <laughs> yeah, I'm interviewing a stand-up comedian, and I don't want humor involved in my conversation. Exactly. Well, not only that, you know, I don't even consider myself just a stand-up comedian. I consider myself a comedian. A sit-down comedian. Yes. Well, I've done stand-up, but I also, you know, a big part of what I do is online and, and sketches, and I've been trained in improv. So there's this puritanical streak in the stand-up community. But either way, it's like conservatives would be like, yeah, we, we you know, uh, humor aside. First off, if someone says, I believe you were humorous, they don't have a sense of humor, ironically enough. Because you don't say humorous, you say it was funny. Yeah. Or it made me this laugh. This is a humorous is part of your arm. I thought a humorous is part of your life. No, because you hit your funny bone. That's why they call it that. I don't think that's right. Tweet, people. Tell him. Let me know. Am I what? Which bone is the humorous? Uh, tweet me at s crowder. 
or at Fun Dip Dan. I don't know. Ah, we'll see you. Louder, Crowder. Everyone likes to dance to a happy song. Oh. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're not so, supposed to have fun on a morning radio show. I know, conservatives. Get back to Obama being a Muslim. Uh, <laughs> well, we were right before we went to the break. Just so you know, okay, I haven't slept in three days. So I'm like Charlie Sheen banging seven gram rocks. I'm on a bender right now, just no sleep. You actually did the cocaine? I didn't. I didn't. Well, I don't think is it, rocks is crack cocaine. I think, or is it meth? Are rocks meth or is rock crack? I have no idea. I haven't done enough drugs to know. I'll get back to you in a couple of years after anyway, I retire. The point is, before we go to the break, fun dip is like the humorous is the funny, but I'm going, oh, what? really? I thought I was in the leg, and I was thinking of the femur. I'm just very tired, right? <laughs> so I'm not on my A game. And ironically, we will have this up at louderwithcredit.com. To me, it is the funniest thing that's ever happened. I was sitting here answering an email from our competing network. By the way, we're coming for you, WJR. Uh, and I'm responding to an email, and Fundip falls out of his chair. I, I had dropped this pen on the floor, and I I slid the chair back to try and grab it, and the wheels on the chair went right what's, out from underneath me. What's funny is we log all of this, right? We're taping all of it because we get it up on YouTube or louderwithcrowder.com. You can go. We get these up as videos. So not only a radio show, but you can watch the video and see Fundip and I interact. So Fundip, see, Fundip is and on me. A, Fundip and me. It's true. Well, I would interact with Fundip, no, not me would interact with Fundip. You, you would see Fundip and me, because you would see me. Okay, that's true. Um, Compulsions, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, Fundip is on a giant monitor behind me at all times, and it's during the break, so I often don't pay a lot of attention to him. So I'm writing, and when we watch the footage, you can see behind me Fundip take this horrible <laughs> spill. <laughs> He's in a panic of his life trying to get back up. But to, to read the news, and I'm just going along typing until I look at it. I'm like, what the hell? Did you just fall fun dip? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you were down for the count for a good, like, a good seven, second, eight count before I even realized it. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I'm sorry, fun dip. I, I don't care if it's embarrassing. We're going to have to get this up for people to see. It's too funny for them not to see. And then, ironically enough, he hit his humorous. I know. <laughs> Well, so, the, I'll have to send you footage. I've got, uh, I think it's actually on YouTube uh, from 1988, me doing a very similar thing with a chair with wheels. I'm trying to make this Coca-Cola commercial in broadcasting school where I'm a private investigator, and I, I'm supposed to put my feet up on a desk and then just lean back, and this chair had we uh, Too much setup, Fun Dip. Right out from underneath me. Punchline is you get hurt. I love that punchline. was <laughs> <laughs> too long. So, uh, anyway, it's a fun morning. We were talking, uh, we've been talking about everything, but yeah, this is, you will have to see this at louderwithcredit.com. And I'm in my, my morning stupor where I, so I'm just writing in the bags under my eyes. I look so exhausted. And then Fundip is just in a struggle. Let me, okay, here's a personal story. And what's funny, remember last week we got someone who complained, you go off topic too much. I would like you to tweet me actually, if you've ever had a near death experience. So tweet me at S Crowder. Because I'm going to give you mine, a near-death experience. So I don't know if you've ever had this, but I had a moment where I just thought, okay, this is, I'm going to die. So this is how I'm going out. 
I'm going to die right now. And what's funny is there's a moment that there's panic and then there's a moment that washes over you of just, I'm, I'm honestly, I was just like, you know, remember praying and thinking like, okay, kayaking. Lake, why are you laughing? I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like if I, as an agnostic, had a near-death experience. Well, I won't get into it, but you're not that agnostic. When you were all hopped up on painkillers with your back injury, you were requesting. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm on I'm on pain meds, and I'm going, hey, just in case I ought to do an Our Father. <laughs> you're Pentecostal. You don't do Our Fathers. Um that just has an extra stanza at the end of the thing. Yeah, exactly. You're speaking in tongues. So, what? <laughs> there you go. You could probably convince. Anyway, I don't even. I'm going to offend people. So, so <laughs> Lake Massawippi in Quebec. I want you to tweet me at S Crowder if you've ever had a near death experience. And I mean genuine, not like I slipped and it really hurt. I mean, if you ever actually thought, okay, my ticket's been punched. Lake Massawippi, it was a cottage that we rented for the summer. They had a kayak in there. But it wasn't one of these new pansified open kayaks. It was the old school kayak where your legs go into it and it almost like it's almost like the Inuit, you know, they'd use like seal skin. It pretty much vacuum seals to keep you watertight. It just happened to be at the cottage. So uh, I'm like, oh, well, it happens to be here. Might as well go out in the lake and use it. My dad's there working on the house inshore. And uh, I go out. I don't know how to use a kayak. And it all started with a spider. So there's oh, a spider. No crawling up the kayak like right next to me and I'm free because there's nowhere for me to go so I freak so I lose my balance for a second again it's not the new automatic stabilizing kayaks it tips me over completely upside down now this wasn't deep it might have been you know four and a half feet of water but it's deep enough where I'm completely upside down in a kayak and I can't push myself now it's, there's a real simple technique they use now to just flip them so you ever watch those when they're kayaking the rapids just boop, they flip right back over I don't know I'm a dummy so I flip over, and I'm like, oh, they make it look really easy. So I'm just going to flip boop, over, but I don't. And I'm underwater, and the water's rushing into my face. And I'm like, oh, oh, I can't tip this back over. Let me just pull out. I can't. You've seen my giant fat ass. I can't pull that out of the kayak. I can say <laughs> that. You don't to <laughs> My giant fat hips and butt have always been built that way. You look like Michelle Obama. It's so true. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get letters. So, so true. So try to tip? No. Oh, my gosh. I better just get myself out of this kayak. Push? No. I'm stuck. And the water's rushing, and I'm panicking. And I'm going, I got, I'm just doing anything to get out and tip myself back over. And uh, it wasn't happening. And I remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to die. Thinking, I'm going to die, and my dad is about 30 feet away on shore and he has no idea as to the personal hell I'm in right now. And I'm going to die right here. I'm going to drown right here. And, if, and, and people who are looking just see a kayak tipped over. They have no idea that this is the struggle of my life. They're just going to look and go, oh, I guess someone's kayak tipped. Maybe we can go out there and get that later. And I am going to die. So there was that panic. And I just thought, I'm going to die. And I just, you know, uh, I've had a couple moments like that. But this was the one I just was like, okay, just start, just start praying. Like, hey, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. Uh, and, and what happened was then I realized it wasn't that deep and my paddle hit the sand. I was like, oh, so then I just pushed the sand, <laughs> put, put the paddle in the sand and push myself back up. So basically was, the response from God was moron. Use the paddle. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't realize I thought we were deeper, but yeah. Have, 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 have you, has anyone out there tweet me at S Crowder had those kinds of stories where you really just thought you were going to die 
And uh, you'd be amazed. For me, it was very surprising. You learn a lot about yourself in the face of that. The closest thing I had to that was when I was in first grade, a dog had me by the back of the neck and was about an inch from the, I think they call it the jugular vein. And I thought for sure that this, and it was a big dog. I thought for sure this was the end, but luckily my friend Tiger's mom saw the dog, uh, which was their dog, and got me free. Wow. That's a, you thought you were going to die? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I'm on the ground. I can, I can feel the, the teeth in my neck, and I can see blood because the dog stepped on my arm, and there's blood on my arm and blood on my neck, and I was so scared I peed my pants. And I'm wow. seven at the time, dressed up in a Batman Halloween costume. Batman doesn't pee himself. <laughs> <laughs> and so they... they t- <laughs> it's true. He doesn't have pull-ups in his utility belts. Batman knows how to hold it, man. He has shark repellent. He doesn't have a diaper. <laughs> so they, they take me back to my mom and dad's house, and my mom keeps saying, we've got to get you to the hospital. We've got to take oh. you over to Botsford. And I said, I can't go, I can't go, I'm not going to the hospital. And my mom's like, why are you being so stubborn? Your, your neck is bleeding. I'm like, Mom, I peed my pants. She's like, I'll get you a new pair. Jeez. And I'm like, okay. They changed my pants, took this me over to back. the hospital. I'm sorry. I'm this seven. Back. Well, this is back when you had a neck. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. The I'm man sorry. you are about to see has no neck. I look like Charles Gray. <laughs> Actually, you do have a neck. We, we, we were, okay. This is actually uh, uh, something that's important to me because to me, like this is this. These are the kinds of shows I listen to. I listen to podcasts. I listen to conversational shows, and I'm always going like, "Gosh, these shows are great." I just wish they weren't all so liberal. So it's like my choice is either I have to listen to constant sermonizing conservatives on news radio, or I have to listen to interesting podcasts that are conversational, uh, but and filled with left wing whack jobs. Filled with left wing whack jobs. So honestly, please tweet me at S Crowder. To me, this is what I am interested in, is hearing people's personal experiences, hearing what makes people tick. And sometimes I know conservatives out there complain that, that Fundip and I have these conversations and you don't like it. So let me know if you think you'd rather us just go back to the talking points um, or if you like that what we do is different. I'm always open to feedback. But see, that to me is, is, is a fascinating story. I really do think it's, it's one of those things you can't know how you'll react to, even if it's perceived death, until you're, you're in it. At seven, it was really scary. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I thought. Uh, I mean, I, I you know, I thought I would never walk again at one point with my legs. Man, I told you that. That's a a, a personal story, where um, you know, yeah, let's tell it. We'll 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 go a little further. We'll take a break and then wrap it up. So, Fundip called me. He had a back injury. A lot of people don't know this about me. I mean, I've, I have some pretty serious back problems. Um, so I've lifted heavy my whole life, and I was wrestling and uh, grappling, and this is when I lived in New York, which I hated. I, you know, I was working with, with Fox News at the time. I was in New York, and it wasn't, wasn't Fox News that, that I hated. I just hated the city. I didn't have any friends. Uh, I like having a car. I like having my independence. I just don't like it. It was making me very anxious. So I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu about uh, six, seven times a week. I was doing it every, and I was lifting three days a week, or maybe even four days. I mean, I was doing training twice a day every day, sometimes three times a day. Just for the fun of it? I just had to consume my time. Uh-huh. I just hated my life. Uh, you know, I didn't have any friends. At this point, I had just started dating my wife, and she was long distance. We never lived in the same city. 
Well, no wonder you were able to keep from doing it. Well, no. Then, you know, then we would. That's the problem is we we honestly try to do it right where she would come to New York and she would stay somewhere else. Um, She would, uh, to be honest, actually, there were a couple times where she didn't her hotel didn't go through and she slept. I had a a separate bed in the apartment and she did sleep there. And we actually felt guilty about that uh, just because we wanted to be consistent. (laughs) I know. I know it sounds silly, but because we wanted to be moron, we wanted to be consistent in our values, you know. Um, and, and we weren't, so that's true. You can call me a hypocrite anyway. So I'm in New York. I'm tra- I was overtraining, and I was just mentally exhausted, unhappy. And so I get to a gym and, uh, I was just doing a warm up set. The squat racks were taken. So I used the cable rows, you know, where you put your feet up and you, you pull the, pull the cable. So, uh, it's one of the very rare times I would use machines. Cause I was like, okay, I can do that instead of barbell rows. And there was no air exchanger in the gym here in New York city. So all the windows are fogged up, and I, I don't know if they had painted the grip tape on the pads or what. I, I, I don't know, but it was a warm-up set. There might have been 100-something pounds on there. And uh, so it wasn't heavy, and the first pull, I just pull, and my foot just slips off. So, well, that my foot, whoop, and then literally, and I don't say this figuratively, literally, I heard that sound, uh, like this, in my back. Because my foot slipped off and I was just trying to hold the weight and it was enough to buckle it. So I'm like this, right? For people who can hear, I'm doing it visually. I go like this just to try and hold the weight. So my back torqued and I heard a pop. And uh, I fall back. So I'm on the the seated pad and then I roll over. So I'm laying back down on the ground and I'm thinking, oh gosh, oh, this really hurts. Okay, I'm just going to wait it out. And I wait and then I try and move. And um, I can't move my legs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and sit up. And I just, I couldn't. My body just wasn't responding. So there's a guy with his headphones on who's not really looking at me, but his headphones are on. And I see him. I'm like, I hate to be that guy, but I reach over and I'm just literally reaching like this, like, ah, like a zo- like the zombies coming out in, uh, in Michael Jackson's thriller. Just, ah, oh, yeah. I was reaching out to him at this point. He comes over. He's like, hey, bro, hey, you okay? And the first thing he tries to do is reach under my armpits and sit me up. And if you've never actually felt pain so intense, you thought you would pass out. That's what happened. I actually started wow. seeing stars and tasted blood in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like that, that iron, like when you hit your head. The coppery. Yes, exactly. That's how I can describe it. So he puts me back down. About three or four people come to the gym to try and get me to stand up, and uh, they can't. So they call the paramedics, uh, paramedics or the ambulance. And the problem is it's New York. It's such a cesspool of filth and sadness where dreams go to die. They couldn't even get me on a stretcher because they couldn't get me down the stairs or in an elevator. So they put me on a chair, like this chair I am, and they're like, okay, we're just going to try and put you stiff as a board like this across the chair Ow. and carry me down an eleva- uh, elevator. And uh, they put me in, in the hospital, uh, in, the, in the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. They cut my clothes off, just cut them right off. And I'm looking at uh, the ceiling. A guy came and jammed his fingers up my rear at one point to make sure that I was okay. But... Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, so I lost all motor function for a bit. They misread the MRI. They tried to send me home even though I couldn't walk. Thing is, I could always feel my legs. I couldn't move my legs. And the confusion came from them like poking me and going, can you feel that? And me saying, yeah, I could feel that. But they never asked, can you move your legs? So I could feel it, but I couldn't move my legs. And um, Weird. I sat there. And you know the painkillers, man. So at this point, I was just dating my wife. And uh, this is actually how I really, really fell in love with my wife. So this is kind of the, the, the silver lining. So I was sitting there, and I'll be honest, I don't cry a lot. The last time I cried was at my wedding. My wife claims I cried at Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, I don't. I, it's a sad movie. Quasimodo deserves love too, but I didn't. 
wedding, and then before that would have been Andrew Breitbart. And then before that was this. I remember sitting there thinking, I may never walk again. I had no friends to visit me, looking at a ceiling for about six, seven hours, just crying. And I waited a bit until I called my dad. I was just crying, saying, Dad, Dad, you know, you have, you have to let Hillary know. You have to let her know because I, I can't call her like this. I can't call her like this. And right away she was calling even though he let her know. And um, so it was, it was a really rough time. But you know what happened is, is my wife at that point, who was just my girlfriend, she said, you're going home. You're going to Dallas. It was right before Christmas. It might have been like December 5th. She said, you're going to Dallas. I booked you a flight. I booked you a car. There's going to be a wheelchair to take you to and off the airplane and get you to Texas. Everything is set. I forward you the tickets. I put it in your TripIt app. There you go. And I'm flying to Texas and I'm going to meet you there. You weren't able to drive a car, though. No, no, no. It was New York. So she sent a car. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting choked up talking about it. And, you know, it actually it only took about a day for me to get motor function back. It was like, I was like Bambi for a few days, just Bambi-legged. You know, everything just felt a little weak. And it came back, and uh, I got home, and they had me on a cocktail of painkillers. And then they told me we misread your MRI and rehab and physical, physical therapy rehab later. You know, I'm, I still get numbness. Um, but uh, it was a really, really tough experience, man. And I learned a lot about myself and uh, I really learned a lot about my wife. And that was where I said, you know what? She didn't have to do any of this. And she just, it feels really good. It feels really good to have someone out there who you know just does something because they love you unconditionally. There was nothing. She just, she just did it and just said, here's your tickets. I'm going and I'm meeting you. And yeah. she left. Yeah, she left school, I think, at this point. So Anyway, we'll go to a break, but that's my personal story of how I injured my back. And uh, Ladder with Crowder, we'll be doing some updates on, on training. And, and it's just, uh, I get emotional sometimes. So I'm letting you in on my life, Ladder with Crowder. We'll wrap this up after the break. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. <laughs> That's my favorite song, man. That's what I know. You are a strange animal, dude. Don't let me go one more week without changing the intro. That's our new song. Well, yeah, we got to get cracking on that. I know. I've just been so busy. And I know everyone says it, but, you know, honestly, and Fundip and I were talking about this, we really, Fundip thought this show was going to fail. He thought there's no way that this show will work. And he just said he feels like he's cheating on himself because the show has been so successful. Um, and, uh, you know, the good thing is, listen, there, I know some of you out there prefer just the typical talk radio. We just ask that you give us a chance because I am a conservative. I am a Christian. I'm on your side. 
But I think that we have a lot more to talk about, a lot more to offer. And I don't like the fact that as a young conservative Christian, I'm forced to choose between news and sermonizing all the time or entertainment, but it has to be liberal. I think if we just got rid of the Christianity and the conservatism, we'd be all set. We'd be just like everything else. I think if we just uh, (laughs) got rid of the payroll for a one fun dip Dan Martin. (laughs) It's funny. You didn't even have a choice in your nickname, fun dip. It was just me. Well, it was brilliant because you saw that I had made a mock-up of a classic fun dip package for my Polaroid project. I was taking, for those who are listening, I was taking classic things and taking Polaroids to make them look like photos from the 80s. He saw that sitting there. He's like, hey, fun dip. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's kind of a neat nickname. Oh, yeah. That's just, you know, and plus uh, it's it's enduring. And plus, I think people know you now as fun dip, as the entity fun dip. Um, You know what? We need your, your display picture should be you in the fun dip costume. That's not a bad idea. And we have a lot of fun on this show. Honestly, I look forward to getting up. And I hope you guys listening, I hope listening, you understand that we look forward to getting up and doing this show. I look forward to creating these, you know, the Muslim gay bakery video. I look forward to discussing politics. I look forward to discussing faith. I look forward to discussing life with you. Because I'm not forced by anyone to do it. There's no major syndicator behind me telling me what I can and can't say. There's no one telling us which guests we have to book. We're conservative, Fundip and I don't necessarily agree, but every time you tune into this show, there's a dialogue, and that's what we want. And conservatives, I hope that you hear this, and instead of saying, go back to the talking points, you go out and you have a dialogue with your community. Have a great week. We love you. See you next week.